All right. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Minding Mind podcast, where we live life with ease, connection, and permission to just be. I'm your host, Evelyn Lavasser, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I get to sit down with Gabby Ruth, and we're going to talk all about nervous system regulation and entrepreneurship. And I cannot believe how timely this call is because I'm going to share something today that damn near sent me through a loop. Before we do that, Gabby is a coach, author, speaker, and the host of the Pain to Passion Live podcast. As a complex trauma survivor and trauma mama, she spent years studying and applying various somatic-based healing modalities and believes it's both possible and imperative to continue to pursue your God dreams while healing from your past. She's dedicated to creating safe spaces for women and trauma survivors to share their stories, heal, and embrace their unique callings. Gabby, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Evelyn. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Before before we get into all the goodies, can you tell us a little bit about you? Like, how did you get into this work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could talk about that all day. (laughs) I never, ever saw myself doing any work anywhere near like what I'm doing, but that's kind of how life works, right? You live life. And if you follow the signs, you will end up where you're supposed to be. So long story short, I would say that I ended up in this work because of my son, who I adopted from Ethiopia about 10 years ago. And he came with his own trauma history, which is his story to tell. I don't share a lot of his story, but I do share that I had to learn what was going on with him because I was completely naive about why he was having the behaviors he was having, the struggles he was having. So I had to dive deep. And basically, I realized as I learned about what trauma does to the brain and how it affects attachment and all of these things, that I had a lot of the same wounding that he had. And since I had the same wounding that he had, I was totally not equipped to parent him well. But this was my job as his parent to become equipped. So I dived deep into my own healing. I learned all about trauma recovery. I learned things about neurobiology that I never heard before and learned a lot about the nervous system and nervous system regulation because it's kind of at the core of being able to respond appropriately to situations. So that's a long story, very condensed, but really just going through the process of becoming a mommy to this beautiful, amazing child is what led me to do this work. I love that. And and I'll say that because I feel like there's something about becoming a parent that makes you go all in learning who you are and helping you become the best person that you could be. And initially you think it's for them really it's for you, right? The healing is for you. I I recognize for myself that my healing is for me, but it's not about me. It's like, I get, I get the benefits of loving me, but it's about something bigger. It's always about something, but it starts with me. So it's funny because yes, our work is different, but rooted in the idea of being the best human being that you can be for this person who deserves the best human being that they can get. Absolutely. hundred percent. I love it. So I'm going to share with you something that happened yesterday. Okay. Can't wait. (laughs) And I haven't talked about this yet. So, you know, 
I might get upset, but I was just out grocery shopping, minding my business. And I noticed this like mother and son, mother, son looked about mid twenties ish. And something about the way they looked at me made me feel very uncomfortable, which in my mind, you know, we, I feel like we are, we tend to ignore those feelings, but I kept it with me and just said, huh, that was strange. Let me just pay attention. So I go several aisles over and they're just behind me and they're not really shopping. They're just behind me. I do notice there's one item in their cart. So I go over to the section where I'm now picking out my fruit, literally standing in front of the bananas and they are digging through the fruit, but watching me very closely. And the son gets on his phone, two more men come over. And now we're staying like the area where this fruit was is a, a, like a rectangle shape. Mm-hmm. And there's me and the four of them. And they're just staring at me at this point, yeah. not saying a word, not coming close to me, not lunging, like, but my body felt unsafe. Yeah. All these alarms were going off in my mind. And yes, I know very much how to protect my body. But also there is this fear that comes over you. Mm-hmm. And I I said two things to myself. The first thing was, do not show them that you're afraid. You have to stand up and stand tall. Not that I'm tall, but I stood tall, right? And it was a matter of, for probably 30 seconds or so, it was me just staring at them and them just staring at me. But it felt menacing almost. And the other part of my mind said, you need to be prepared to cause a scene or you're not making it home today. Oh my gosh. That's what I felt. I wow. felt my, I felt my safety was in danger. So 30 seconds felt like 10 minutes, right? But really it was a quick thing. They were just staring at me and I just kind of held my ground, looked around to see who was around. Are there employees? Is there security? Whatever. And I don't know why, but one of the men like snickered at me, nodded his head and the four of them left together with no groceries. Whoa. So at this point, my body's like a little bit shaky. I'm like, thank God they're not here right now, but are they outside? I just continue grocery shopping, honestly, just walking around. Cause now I'm like in a fog cashed out, went to my car. I didn't go out to my car until I saw that there was an employee like by my car. Mm. Anyway, I was fine. I ended up being fine. They did not approach me, but that lack of safety was so real that I drove home with my hands trembling. And this was around one ish. My husband got home from coaching probably about five 30. And I told him what happened, obviously freaked him out a little bit. And, but I could not bring myself back to being grounded after that. Mm. Like I talked it out with him. When I came home, I meditated. I definitely did some like deep breathing. It it tends to work for me. Like if I'm upset or something, I'll do like some really deep breathing, but I'll put like my back against the wall because I like to feel something just solid around me. Nothing could, nothing could regulate me at that mm. point. And I said to him, like, just come, can you just sit with me? And he just sat with me. And I, it was like, I needed the calm in his breath to help me calm my breath. But I feel like it's so, I guess, ironic almost that that happened yesterday. And here we are today to talk about nervous system regulation. Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts about like 
this situation. Yeah. And, you know, and just, you know, kind of, kind of bring it home for me about this nervous system and like regulating. Sure. And that's a crazy story. Oh my goodness. It's a really good, vivid example of how your nervous system is wired to work. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, like your nervous system responded exactly like it's supposed to. It was saying danger, danger. There's something going on here. You could feel it in your body. And that's exactly how our nervous system is created. Like it's supposed to be like our own personal security system. So it's always scanning our environments for signs of threat. And if there is a sign of threat, it's automatic. You don't have a cognitive thought about it first. It just responds with Mm -hmm. trembling, with heart rate increase because it's getting you ready to run, right? Or fight, fight or flight. (laughs) You were prepared to do either of those things and your body was like prepping you for that. So it's a really vivid example. And being what I would call dysregulated in that moment is so normal. Like if you hadn't been, that would have been abnormal. Mm. So feeling calm, clear-headed and collected in that situation would be more like an indication that something's off with your nervous system, which I like to remind people of that all the time. This is where I start my work with people is if you feel dysregulated, which is just a big word for anxious, depressed, fight or flight mode, freeze, you can cover all of those with that term dysregulated, which we can get into that more later. um, Sorry. Does the same go for like numbing? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's also dysregulated. There's different areas on what we call the nervous system ladder. So the numbing would be like down at the bottom where you shut down, mm-hmm. but that's definitely dysregulation. So when you are feeling dysregulated, whether it's in a situation like that in the grocery store, or whether it's when you're sitting down to do a project, you know, you're supposed to do, you can actually approach it with compassion instead of shame. So instead of being like, oh man, why am I so shaky? I want to stand strong. And then walking around, you said you had like fog in your brain to be like, it's over. Why can't I just like shake this off? Or you get home, it's over. Why can't I shake this off? We do the same thing to ourselves when we're trying to do a work or like, like you said, I work a lot with entrepreneurs trying to get their businesses off the ground or move forward. And they're like, I procrastinate. I get distracted, all of these things. I'm so bad. Like, no, you're not bad. Be compassionate because your nervous system is picking up a sign of threat. Whether or not that threat is real doesn't matter. The point is your body is in distress. So how can you show yourself compassion in that moment instead of trying to shame your way back into clarity? So it's really cool, actually, how you describe, like, I mean, I'm sorry it happened to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's very cool how you described you got home, you're still shaking. Like, that adrenaline was so real. And you couldn't calm down with breathing and all these things that you would usually do to ground yourself. So you asked your husband to come and sit with you. And I loved that. Because really, there's no ability to self-regulate to calm your own body until you've Mm co-regulated with someone you've learned to co-regulate, which 
is another thing I teach. You can co-regulate in a lot of different ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a person, but he has a nervous system that's not dysregulated like yours. Like he might be angry that this happened to you or worried about you, but he's not panicking like you are. So when he comes to you, your nervous system reads his nervous system and can reach down to his baseline. Co-regulation is one of the most beautiful things that you can access, especially if you can do this with a safe other person. And I'm sure he's very safe for you. So I hope that was somewhat explanatory, but it's just this, this security system that's saying, okay, something's not right. And addressing that in a compassionate way instead of a shaming way is really the key to changing this deep down in your wiring. I love, I love the explanation. And actually it made me feel, it just made me feel better in the moment of knowing like my reaction was 100% normal and my body was doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a beautiful thought. It's a beautiful thought for me to be able to see my husband who, you know, is like my favorite person on the planet Yeah, that when I am disregarded, I can literally just reach to literally physically reach Mm. to him to help bring that down. And, And it's funny because I've been like on this long journey of self-healing and, and, um, just deeper work. And the last two weeks in our family have been very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I told him like, we're very affectionate normally, but like, we're the people who we get in bed at night and we hug and cuddle. And then when it's time to go to sleep, it's like the C's part. (laughs) I want to be on my side of that. Um, Uh the last two weeks, I find myself like reaching for his hand more often or like laying with him on the couch or in bed, like just laying closer to him. And this weekend I randomly said to him, like, I've been feeling like pretty needy lately, need to be near you more often. And he said, that's fine. But then I also said, no, no, no. But the thing is, I'm not judging myself for the first, I'm not saying to myself, you shouldn't need that. Why are you being like this? You know, there's no judgment. I was actually proud of myself to say for the first time, maybe in forever, I felt like I needed this thing and I just reached for it without a judgment right it was just data like this is something that I need right now and how can I get it that's Um, beautiful yeah I I love like the idea of thinking of it on a physical level it is what Mm -hmm. my body needed and on a conscious level I was able to give it yes that's so so excellent wow yeah and we deny ourselves that a lot when we're in that headspace we're like I don't I don't actually need this Mm -hmm. like push it down, make it go away. Here's the thing though, is activation in your body doesn't actually always go away if you just push it down. It has to be expressed. I use this example a lot with clients of like, what does expressed mean? Of course, expression is like different emotional expression, but express also means to like squeeze out. I always think, I don't know why, of like a cow udder. <laughs> and so like if you're express expressing milk out of a cow's udder like you have to squeeze it out so it empties and that's the exact same thing that you have to do with any activation in your body it has to empty out of your body in some way so if you're not reaching for what you need it just stays trapped which then can bring up a lot of other complications like chronic anxiety fatigue inflammation disease all of these things when when we hold so much activation in our bodies 
mm-hmm. for a long time. So I love that you reached for it without shame because that was your way of actually expressing the need, getting the help that you needed for it and not letting it stay as activation inside of your body. So is that like, is that like what you're saying? Is that the actual, just like natural flow of like the, the system was really activated and then address it with compassion. And then is that last step to release? Yes. And that can look as a, like a lot of different ways. I do a lot of somatic work, which just means embodied work. So even for you, I was thinking as you were telling this story, like maybe she just needed to go home and like cry really hard or scream into her pillow because this is some pent up anxiety and the threat is gone, but your body is still like, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. So releasing it like literally out of your body in some kind of form, the the breathing, the grounding, all of that is good, but maybe stomping, shaking, screaming, mm-hmm. that also could happen something to let it out of your body mm-hmm. so that your system knows, okay, she dealt with this. And now we can go back to baseline, calm, steady, clear-headed. It's so interesting that you bring that up because I feel now that you're saying that, I feel like that probably is what I need. I know that I didn't do that because my girls were home on a half day. But first of all, there's that need to feel like centered for your children. Mm -hmm. I did tell them very little of, I I gave them an age appropriate description of what happened and why I seemed upset when I came home, but also you're right in that. Yes, I felt fear and I felt very unsafe, but then I felt angry. Like, yeah, why do we have to be on high alert when we're out? Why do we have to worry about what other people are doing or what their intentions are for us? And also there's that, I feel like, especially as women, we're kind of taught that we need to check our reactions. So Mm -hmm. we don't appear to other people as mean or bitchy or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful that I don't carry those thoughts with me. Like I would much rather you be uncomfortable with my reaction than to me feel uncomfortable in my body. Like I Mm -hmm. own that, but just there, there was a lot of other feelings that came flooding after like the anger, the frustration, the, the worry for my daughters having to go out and maybe deal with some shit like that in their lives. Like, yeah, you know, it, it was a lot maybe screaming or punching something would have been good. Yeah. And honestly, most underneath most anger, there is grief. Mm -hmm. And even as you're saying that, I know there's grief there because it's like a lack of freedom Mm -hmm. to just live your life. That's something worth grieving. So once you, usually once you express anger, tears will come because underneath that anger or rage is some kind of loss, some kind of grief. So just getting it started, like I do this kind of stuff with my kids all the time because I know how important it is to be regulated when I'm around my kids. So if I have a bad day or something bad happened, I have no qualms with saying to my kids like today sucked. Let's scream it out. Even if they're fine, if I scream, they'll scream. They think it's hilarious or I'll just start singing really loud. Or like dancing. Dancing is a great somatic thing to do for any big emotion. And they'll just join me. And now like they're becoming so emotionally intelligent. It's really, really cool to see. I have a daughter as well. So my my son is 10 and my daughter is eight. And 
they're learning to access these tools now because I have to do it in real time if I am going to, first of all, be a good example to them, but also stay regulated in their presence. So just a little, little tip. Yeah. I I love, I love, love what you're saying because like, it's so funny how the, the, the very thing that you needed for yourself is the thing that you teach other people. Right. And, and, but also that you gift your children where in my line of work, I think that what I needed more than anything is acceptance and connection. Mm. And I spent my life chasing that acceptance and connection with other people, but ultimately to learn that the connection I was missing was with myself. So, right. Like to be able to help women form that connection and to be able to gift that to my children is beautiful to watch because as I see them just own who they are and own what they love and not compare themselves to other people and just, and just live well, right. To just live well. I, I can feel a little piece of seven-year-old Evelyn healing at the same time. Right. So I love like knowing that I have given my daughters that foundation, but also as I learn more about the practices that you talk about, like that will just, I I guess, like further solidify their foundation because I want to say, say that the majority of women that I know intellectualize Mm -hmm. what they're feeling, but they don't feel what they're feeling. Oh yeah. Cause it, it doesn't, I don't think I ever felt safe to feel what I was feeling. Yep. It was like, put it away. No one wants to deal with that. Cry in your bedroom or don't cry at all. Mm-hmm. You don't feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a misconception powerful. too is that healing means you feel less, but you actually feel more. As you heal, you have more access to your emotions because you realize like, oh, this is healthy to feel these things and to process them through my body. The difference is you learn how to express it from start to finish without shutting down or going into overwhelm. So feeling your feelings in an authentic way really is a sign of healing. Like sometimes I'll have clients who are like, I just cry so much more now. And I'm like, awesome. That's what we're going for. It's not that you don't feel the hurt. It's that you do feel the hurt and you know how to show yourself compassion and there's no shame around it anymore. It's like you're, it's like you're all in my business and talking all about what I used to feel like Mm -hmm. I've been with my husband now. First of all, I've known him since I was 12 years old, but married. it'll be 19 years this summer. And I think he's maybe seen me cry three times in my life. Wow. And I can probably say that I can count on one hand, the number of times I've ever now I recognize that I allowed myself to cry because I definitely felt the heavy feelings, but I would shut them down mm-hmm. and then find myself saying like, why can't, why don't I cry? Like, why can't I cry? I, I remember a time when seeing other people cry irritated the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. It would irritate me to see like, why are you doing that? Do that in mm-hmm. private, right? Like that's conditioning, but recognizing now, like what a strength it is actually. And what a gift it is to be able to acknowledge what you're feeling and 
like let yourself feel it and release it too, right? Like your body's telling you too, I feel this thing. We need to cleanse it this way, but also we need to let it go. Yes. So when you talk about like, that's what it looks like, start to finish, what does finish look like? Well, that's the part that people are scared of is like, if I start feeling this, it's never going to stop. Like you, you don't know, Gabby, there's a whole ocean of this feeling behind me. So if I open that gate, like it's never going to stop, which is, you know, a lot of us have that fear, like accessing that grief or that anger or whatever is too much. Mm. The truth is just like a cow udder, <laughs> there's an end to what is inside of that feeling. So actually giving yourself the space and the permission to say, okay, I'm going to feel this. Weep if you need to weep. Scream if you need to scream. Whatever it is that is like you're holding right here at the top of your chest, feel it. And just, it is an act of trust those first few times of like, okay, they say it will end. And it it does. That emotion does end. The pain can still be there. Like it's tender, you know, but it's not like a big rock on your chest anymore. It's not a heavy weight that you're carrying around. There is relief. There is a physical relief in expressing it from start to finish. So whatever you're going through, your circumstance has not changed. The, The loss has not changed. But the way you carry it has changed because you've expressed it. You've actually squeezed it out mm-hmm. until there's nothing else left. That just, it, it seems heavy. And it seems from someone who was very loved, but didn't have permission to feel. Yeah. Talking about that feels very burdensome. Mm-hmm. But also I can see the the beauty in the aftermath, right? Like, because I know that this healing journey for me has revealed a lot of things that I wanted and didn't have, or even people that I kept around out of loyalty, what I thought was loyalty, but really it was obligation. And all of it was just a betrayal of myself. So I love the idea of just, I guess, coming back to you and giving yourself compassion to feel, do, and be everything that is just literally innate to you. So my question is, in this in this journey and you helping women, more specifically entrepreneurs, how do you think that nervous system dysregulation correlates with business? Yeah, I think it I think it's everything. <laughs> now when we say nervous system dysregulation, Yes, that's activation about different things in your body, but chronic or common, like frequent nervous system dysregulation is usually rooted in trauma. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of trauma recovery Mm -hmm. because a lot of the activation that you feel in your body is actually based in something you experienced in your past. So it's like, why do I feel like I want to cry? eat chocolate and watch Netflix all day when I sit down to work on my website that I'm excited about. It doesn't make sense. And then we go into, oh, 
I must not want it bad enough because that's what all the gurus tell me is if you don't do it, you don't want it bad enough, then you feel bad. Like maybe I don't, maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe I'm not worth it. When actually what's happening is something about the fact that, for example, you're pursuing something for yourself is very triggering to your nervous system. Mm. Why? Probably because as a child or a young adult, you were not allowed to do something to pursue your own dream. You had to show up perfectly for someone else. You had to do what they wanted you to do. You had to get the education they wanted you to get. I'm speaking from my own experience, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's like, if you lived in any kind of performance-based space as a child, teenager, young adult, then you're going to have a really hard time showing up for you as an adult. And as entrepreneurs, most of us have decided to do this because, you know, we want to do our own thing. And when we sit down to do it, that activation comes saying, no, don't do that because you're going to get punished. You're going to get screamed at. You're going to get rejected. You're not going to be loved anymore. You won't belong. And that's dangerous. Like, the base thing that we all need is safety and safety is rooted in connection. So if showing up to work on your website says to your nervous system, you're going to lose all connection with everybody. If you do this, then of course you're going to want to cry, eat chocolate and watch Netflix. You just don't know that that's all the stuff that's going on in the background, but it shows up over and over again for entrepreneurs. And it can also show up as like overachieving and burning out. You'll show up to do something and you're really, really good at checking the boxes and doing the to-do list. And you'll go above and beyond because you always had to go above and beyond to be seen by your mom or your teacher or whoever it might be. You had to go above and beyond to get any kind of like, you're awesome, congratulations, hug, you know, whatever. So you do that now until your body is literally running on fumes and you burn out. Mm -hmm. We see both of these things in entrepreneurs all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we try to get our schedule set up right, or we try to work on our mindset. Don't get me wrong. Mindset is great, but you cannot do mindset work before you do body work. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't work. It ends up in shame and shame is a terrible motivator. So I, that's why I think it's everything <laughs> because being an entrepreneur in and of itself is going to be activating to your system because you're basically putting all of your cards on you that I can do this. I can make this work. We're going to make this happen. I'm going to build something from nothing. And that's activating in and of itself. So learning to both process past trauma and understand where your patterns come from and somatically release that from your body, as well as understanding like, just at a basic level of the different states of your nervous system and tools you can access to regulate both of those things hand in hand can help you create what I call like a trauma informed atmosphere to do your work. And that looks different for everybody. For me, it's like having a space that feels safe to do my work having a schedule that's like in increments of 20 to 30 minutes. Because if I sit for too long, I'll either go into overachieving or I'll freeze. 
I'll give myself a break. I'll give myself a reward. I'll offer my body a hit of dopamine by saying, okay, when I'm done with this project, I'm going to make a latte. (laughs) Like all of these things that we crave, the comfort of a latte or going outside to go for a walk, we, we make ourselves not have those things until we finish. You got to earn it. We have to earn it. But what if doing that to ourselves is literally what's keeping us back from making our businesses thrive? So it's a total shift of like how you view business, how you view yourself and your role in the business and understanding like, oh, me being healthy and happy and regulated is the engine that keeps this business going. That's amazing. It's just, it's such an amazing, like deeper dive into like the holistic approach of being a human being first. So if I were, let's say that you and I were sitting down and talking, starting out with like, how do you start? What does it look like when you work with somebody to actually determine the root of some of these things to mm-hmm. then begin actively working on them. And I know that obviously this is your gift and you can see things that the rest of us cannot or maybe don't see at first, you know, awareness is everything. But what does it look like when you start working with somebody? Is it that you question so that they recognize or do you recognize or you kind of dig together? Like, what does that look like for you? Well, first I tell people not to worry about where the activation comes from. It's like, they'll ask me all the time. People ask me, but why do I do this? Why am I like this? Why does this happen to me in this situation? And I'll say, it doesn't matter. In this moment right now, it does not matter. What matters now is it's happening. And you can show yourself compassion and access tools to help yourself feel better. So that's where we start is like, here are the basics of it's called polyvagal theory, but it's kind of just like a structure to put around the nervous system and understanding what the response is in your body and how to calm it. Then as we move forward, we do a lot of story work on personal narrative and things will be uncovered in that of like root motivation. But you can't just like jump right to the root before you learn how to be kind to your body. That in and of itself will be really activating and dysregulating. And it's also liberating to know that you don't have to know why. We're conditioned to be like, if I'm going to give myself what I need, I need to know why. Why am I doing it? Like, why do I need that? How about we take out the why and we just show compassion? Yeah. We do it for our kids. (laughs) We do it for like, infants they're little they're crying we have no idea why we're going to pick them up and comfort them feed them give them what they need so that they can calm why don't we show ourselves that same level of compassion interesting did that answer your question it does and you know it's almost like the when I'm working with women like on their health and wellness it, it sounds like our work is so similar in that we are very disconnected from our bodies mm-hmm. like to I can say that the majority of my clients don't even know what it feels like to feel hunger, to Mm. feel satisfaction, to feel comfort after eating, because so much of our eating habits are around rules and guidelines and disconnect. You know, if Mm. you're eating because somebody else told you it's time, then as a child, you learn to ignore your body. 
If you have to earn dessert by finishing your plate as a child, you learn that it doesn't matter if you're full. Dessert is a reward and you have to finish everything to earn Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's just every lesson that we learn disconnects us from who we are. And then we like perpetuate that by working through lunch or eating while we're driving or eating on the go or always having to be like rush, 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 rush. So every ounce of our being goes out to everything else in the world except ourselves and what we need like so true the most part we don't even know until someone asks right so I would think that some of the discomfort your clients might feel is in physically feeling what their body is telling them oh yeah yeah totally and it it's a lifelong journey I'll be honest like we're we're all going to continue to hit ceilings that we have to break through over and over and over again, there's always an up level. So this happens to me too. Like I try to practice everything that I teach, but that means I have to be in touch with my body too. Right. So for example, this week, like my family's going through a lot of stuff right now. I know yours has been going through some stuff too. And I've just been pushing myself to do the to-do list. And it finally hit me a few days ago, like, is it really so bad if you need to stop and take a break and like not work as many hours this week? Oh yeah. Like this is literally what I teach people. And I have to remind myself of that as well is I actually deserve compassion. If I'm going through something difficult, Mm -hmm. why do we struggle so much to show ourselves compassion when we are going through something difficult? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a mind shift that will always be like a growth thing for all of us. Because on a day to day, sure, I show myself compassion a lot. But as far as my business, I can also get in that zone of like, work, work, work. If you don't, you're not going to make the money that you need. You're not going to get the clients. You're not, you know. But once I start to focus back on what my body is telling me that I need, which our culture, let's be real it's difficult in our society. (laughs) That's on society. That's not on you. So if you can't always do this, I understand it's okay. But when you can show yourself that compassion, take the privilege and do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm telling myself this week too. I almost feel like it is about changing the narrative entirely and reclaiming a new reality for yourself. Because Mm -hmm. if we all continue to live the way society expects us to, we are disconnected, burnt out, unfulfilled, exhausted, depressed, distracted, and then wondering why at the end of the day, we're unhappy Mm -hmm. and being told that happiness is not a requirement. We almost, our society teaches us to strive for safety success, financial success, defined financial success, but the inner, the things that we desire in our hearts, like those aren't required. Like the measure of success is finances and vehicles and objects, but happiness, that's too woo woo for where we live, (laughs) right? Like who's worried about being happy? Not uh-huh. everybody's going to be happy. Okay. Like, but I want to be. <laughs> yeah. I really want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So and it's like, if you come from, down, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's breaking down literally everything you've been taught about what success looks like, what life can look like for you. And just saying like, I don't really give a shit about any of those measures. And this is what I want. And this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to feel. And this is what I'm going to create. Yeah. I love that. What I was going to say is if anyone comes from a faith background too, you get the same kind of messaging of like, it's not about your happiness. And I kind of like to examine that and turn it on its head. What if we call, what if we call happiness overflow? Because when we feed our joy and we take care of ourselves, that's when we can help others. That's what we can show up fully alive as the vibrant person we're created to be and actually have the effect on our families and on the world that we're intended to have. But we beat ourselves down so much of like sacrifice, 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 serve, serve, serve. And those are both good words in a, in their space, in the place where they belong. But it, when it becomes your entire identity or the entire basis for your motivation, like that, I personally don't think that is of God, (laughs) like that wasn't his intent. Mm -hmm. So having that coming from the society and the faith background that I come from, it's a lot that I've had to wrestle through. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting, honestly, getting to deeper layers of that and realizing I'm not bad. I am not bad for loving myself. Yes. This is, this was the intent from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I mean, I feel like if you look at it that way, right, like that is what you want for the people that you love. That is what you want for your children. That is what you look at other people and you say, like, I wish they could see themselves through my eyes. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to step back and say, like, I wish I could see myself that way. And let me know that's what I need to work on. Right. I love that. I I totally agree with the, I I was raised in religion, not relationship. So Mm -hmm. I was very disconnected to lots of guilt, lots of shame, lots of judgment, lots of finger pointing. But I I feel like, you know, that that is all part of the journey as well. Like the questioning, the searching, the deeper work. I love this conversation. (laughs) Me too. So, so good. We've been chatting almost an hour now. So I want to be respectful of your time. And I know you have two littles at home. So tell me a little bit about what is it that you're working on? And if any of the listeners wanted to connect with you, like where could they find you and how can you help them? Yeah, for sure. Please connect with me on Instagram. I love hanging out on Instagram. My handle is at Gabby Ruth, G-A-B-I-R-U-T-H. And I'll make sure to give you all the links and everything so you can put those in your notes or wherever you tend to put them. And I actually offer a free 45-minute connection call for anyone who just wants to understand where they are in their journey or what's going on in their body. And I can introduce you to this work. Right now, I offer one-on-one coaching, and I'm also starting a group program very soon. So there will be a group option and a one-on-one option, depending on where you're at financially and how customized you need your program to be. But there's also a lot of free stuff out there. I have a free soul care um, journal download on my website. So I'll make sure that you have access to that. And I try to give as much great and supportive content as I can in my podcast, on my Instagram, and on my website. 
Awesome. So feel free to check me out on all of those places. Awesome. So in the show notes, I'll make sure that we link your Instagram, your website, and your podcast. Um, because you know, the, the people need what you're doing. So oh, thank for you. that, and be, before you go, it's the question of the hour that I ask <laughs> before they leave in the minding mind community. We're all about minding your business, meaning being intuitive, being instinctual, following what your soul is speaking to you instead of what the outside world is telling you. Anything that's outside of you is not your business, right? We don't chase validation. We make our own. So my question to you is, minding yours, how is being intuitive and instinctual creating a different legacy for your children? It's just such a good question. And I'm sure I'll be pondering it for a while. (laughs) I think the biggest thing is healing. I know that seems very cliche, but generational healing. And in the work that I do, I learn a lot about epigenetics and how trauma is literally passed down in DNA, but how I know that I can create a legacy that comes after me of both physical and emotional health because they're connected. And so minding mine has meant that I have stopped what came before me so that I can give something better to what comes after me and touch who knows how many lives, but that's what it means to me. That is, it's just so beautiful to me. It's so beautiful because people say all the time, what a scary world we live in. And it's true, but also like my world was pretty damn beautiful, right? Like what I'm putting out into the world is pretty damn beautiful. So I love that. I love the visual that I get of just pouring light out everywhere that we go and creating people who do the same. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Gabby, thank you so much for being here. I love this whole conversation, everything about it. Definitely impactful. I learned a lot today. I want to thank everybody for joining us both today on Minding Mine. If this episode resonated with you, make sure to comment, rate, and review. Your feedback helps me grow. And until next time, everyone, I want you to go live your life on your terms and please mind your business. We'll catch you in the next episode.